Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. I just want to let you know I'm pumped up, I'm excited. All these students did a phenomenal job, and uh, this is my first time getting to preach, so I'm just super pumped, super excited. But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, we love you this morning, God. We just thank you so much, God, for loving us. Lord, we thank you so much, God, that you loved us first, God. So much so that you sent your one and only Son into this world, that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, we understand we can't buy our way to heaven. We can't beg our way. We can't bribe our way, God. It is only by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, this morning, God, we just want to preach that message. We want to preach the message of truth. God, only truth can set people free. God, the world says you got to perform. The world says you have to do everything that you got to do to make right uh, standing with God, with you, Lord. But God, we know that you come by faith and through faith alone. And God, I just pray that this morning, God, that you would change hearts. God, this morning you would change lives. God, if there's people that came in this morning, God, and they're, they're down and they're depressed, God, I pray you would lift up their head this morning and let them realize, God, where their help comes from. God, your word says that you're for us and no one can be against us. So God, we just pray, God, for those that may be lost or lonely or downtrodden. God, we pray this morning, God, that you would lift their eyes, God, and let them realize, God, that you love them, that you are for them. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning, God, that maybe they are a Christian. God, they are a believer. God, but maybe they have faded away. God, maybe they've taken a wrong exit. Maybe they've gotten off the path. Lord God, I pray that this morning, God, that your words, not mine, but God, your words, God, would draw them, not to Northridge. We don't care where they go. God, long as they're getting plugged in, long as they're listening to Bible preaching, God, we want them to get plugged into you, Lord. We want them to connect with you. So, God, if there's anyone here this morning, God, that may have faded away, God, maybe they're in uh, just uh, down that slippery slope called sin, God, I pray you would draw them back to yourself, God. Convict us, God, of the sin that's in our life. Change our hearts this morning. Change our minds. Change our lives. God, we're going to give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Somebody say amen. Uh, y'all got to talk with me now. I'm Baptocostal. Y'all got to help me out now. You got you to gotta, gotta be with me now. Preach back to me. All right, notice with the video. Well, first off, let me just say this. Back in the 1960s, Back in the 1960s. Yeah, I wasn't around back then, I know. But back in the 1960s, there was a king that existed. There was a king that existed. The king of rock and roll, Mr. Elvis Presley himself. He put on a great performance, put on a great show. The man could dance, he could sing. People would come from all over to to, to an Elvis Presley concert. He was the king. He was the king of rock and roll. People loved him. People flocked to his concerts. So much so that at the end of concerts... At the end of concerts, people, the, the crowd would encore and encore for hours. Literally, I read online, there was one show that, that the crowd encored for over two hours, wanting another performance, wanting to see another song, wanting to, to see another dance, another live performance from the king of rock and roll. But here's the deal. At the end of an Elvis Presley concert, someone had to come up, grab the microphone, and they had to announce, Elvis has left the building. Because if not... People would stay there all night. They would encore. They want another performance. But someone had to come up and grab the microphone, and they had to announce to the whole crowd. They had to have this declaration. The king, Elvis, has left the building. Here's my declaration this morning. It's pretty doggone similar. The church must leave the building. Hear me now. The church must leave the building. That's my declaration this morning. Something I'm very passionate about is evangelism. Something I'm very passionate about is missions. Something I'm very passionate about is what God's passionate about. His heartbeat is missions. His heartbeat is the Great Commission. His heartbeat is evangelism. That's his heart. So that's what I want to preach this morning. The church must leave the building. I know you're thinking, what are you talking about, David? That doesn't make any sense. The building must leave the building. We're in a church, right? Church is a building. 
Well, I'm sorry, but you've been sadly mistaken your whole life. I have been myself. This culture and this society teaches, uh, teaches us when we're little kids that on Sundays we go to what? Church. On Wednesdays we go to church. Here together we're having church. Our whole lives we've been raised. Sundays and Wednesdays, you're going to go down the street, turn left, see that big building right there with a steeple on top. It's got a cross, stained glass windows, piano, organ, pews, you name it, baptistry, a pulpit. That's the church. That's the church. That's where we go to meet God. That's where we go to do ministry. That's where we go to learn about God. That's where we go to worship. Our whole lives we've been mistaken, guys. Church is not a stinking building. It's not a location. It's not an establishment. It's a movement. It's a movement of people. You, if you're a believer in here, wave at me. If you're a believer, you say, hey, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm a Christian. Well, guess what? You are the church. You are the church. Turn to the person beside you say, you are the church. Turn to someone else and say, you are the church. And now turn to them and say, you got to get out of here. Turn to someone and say, you got to get out of here. The church must leave the building. The church must leave the building. If you have your Bibles, I want you to hold them up for me. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Matthew, let me see what we're working with here. Hold them up. Be proud of your Bible. Be proud of it. Matthew 16. Awesome, awesome. Some of y'all's Bibles are glowing. That's a little creepy. It's called an iPhone, okay? Awesome. Hold your Bible up. Let me see them again. See what we're working with. Let me see what we're working with. All right. I see some cool ones back there. Some are still glowing. That's fine. Turn to the person beside you. Hold your Bible up now. Hold it up. Turn to the person beside you. Say, my Bible's cooler than your Bible. <laughs> Mine's got a cool sticker. Mine's cooler than all y'all's. I have a really cool like, logo in the front of mine. It's really cool. I'm sorry. All right, here's the deal. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. If you got it, say, yep. 14 people. We'll go with it. Jesus can do it with 12. We'll do it with 14. Here we go. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. I'm reading from the NLT. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 17. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any man, any human being. Verse 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm going to give you guys just a moment. I like doing this before I speak. I'm going to give you all just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you haven't talked to God today. Maybe you haven't read your Bible all week. Maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. I'd like to give you this moment right here, right now, before the sermon, before the message is preached. Would you get your life right with God? Maybe there's some sin in your life. You just need to confess it right here. You don't have to grab a microphone and confess it. You talk to a holy God right where you are. God will meet you right where you are. And just pray and ask him to forgive you. Pray and ask him, Lord, show me something this morning. Open my eyes this morning, God, to your truth. And I'll pray in just a moment. But take this time, just you and God.
Father God, this morning, we just want you to speak, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. As Cody prayed, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning, God. Show us what you want us to know. Encourage us, God. Challenge us, Lord, to go out and be the missionaries, to be the evangelists, God, to be the Christians that you've called us to be. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just, um, just speak through your word, God. God, I pray that if there's anyone here, God, that doesn't know you, that, God, this morning they would choose to follow Jesus. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Verse 13, it says that Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. This is a really cool place. I always like looking into the culture. I always like looking into what I call the literary context of the message, whatever's going on in this passage. I like to figure out a little history about it. Caesarea Philippi is a district that's about 25 miles north of Galilee. And here's what's so cool. Jesus had been doing ministry with all the disciples, and here he is. He's taken to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, if you, you can go online, you can check it out. But it's like a natural stone amphitheater, sort of like this is, sort of like an amphitheater. It's at an angle, but there's stones everywhere. There's rocks everywhere. And here's what's really cool about it is there's actually stone images. There's carvings in the stone, carvings in the rocks of other rulers and other kings and other priests. So there's all these images around. And Jesus turns to the disciples at this really cool place, rock place, and there's all these other rulers and these other kings and these carvings of these other people. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? And in, in T-Town Redneck language, he's, he, Jesus is asking, what's the word on the street? That's what Jesus wants to know. What's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? What are people talking about? Who do people say that I am? Verse 14, they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. And then Jesus asked the most important question anyone could ever answer in, in, in the entire human history. But who do you say that I am? If you take notes, number one, the simple question, who do you say, Jesus? who is Jesus to you? That's the most important question of this life. Who is Jesus to you? A lot of people are talking about him. You know, there's a guy named uh, Christopher Hitchens. He's a famous atheist. Died a few years ago. Traveled the whole world making fun of Christianity. Traveled the whole world making fun of God. Literally got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to stand on stages in front of audiences like this and to just make fun of God. He was an atheist. He was proud to be an atheist. But even he will tell you Jesus existed. He was a real person. He was a real man. But Christopher Hitchens, the atheist, said he was just simply a good man. Nothing more, nothing less. He was just simply a good man. Richard Dawkins, he's a famous evolutionist. He'll tell you Jesus really existed. He was famous for writing the book called The God Delusion, trying to disprove that God ever existed. But he'll tell you that Jesus was really a man. Jesus really did exist. But he'll tell you he was a lunatic. He was a madman. He was a liar. That's what the evolutionist will tell you. He was out of his mind. He didn't know what he was talking about. He was making these crazy claims. There's a religion called Bahi, and Bahi, the followers of Bahi, they'll tell you Jesus really existed. Oh, he was really a man, but he was simply just a messenger. All he had was just a positive message, nothing more, nothing less. I met someone a couple years ago here in town named Moses. Believe it or not, he's a devout Muslim. He follows the five pillars of Islam every single day of his life. He, he told me Jesus really exists. I said, who is Jesus to you? He said, oh, Jesus is real. He really existed. He was really a man. I said, well, that's great. Well, what else? He said, that was it. He was just a prophet. He just had a lot of prophecy. He was just a prophet. That's all he was, nothing more. There's another woman that I met. She's a Hindu. Her name's Vishina. She works out on Jeff Davis Road. Met her several times. Talked to her. Asked her one time. Said, hey, who is Jesus to you, Vishina? Who is Jesus to you? She's a Hindu. She said, oh, he was just a great teacher. He really existed. He really was a man. 
but he was just a great teacher. And on and on and on. We could go through every religion. And I could tell you what this religion, what this denomination, what they believe about Jesus. What, what, what's the most important question, though, is who is Jesus to you, Bill? Who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just some philosophy? Is he just some guy we come and sing about on Sunday? Is he just some dude that we go and talk about on Wednesday at some location? Or is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the master and the Lord over your life? It's a good question. Who is Jesus to you? If you're taking notes, number two. Who is the church? God bless you. That was a good sneeze. God bless you. Who is Jesus to you? Number two, who is the church? Let's talk about it for a minute. Verse 16, Peter's response. Jesus says, well, who is, who do people say that I am? They say, gave them all these names. And then Jesus makes it personal. He says, yeah, but Peter, but who, who, who am I to you? Peter's response. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice the definite articles. T-H-E. It's the. For you Thomas folks, it's the. Right? It's the. It's thus. You are, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the Son. The only begotten Son. Aren't you glad for John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That's Peter's confession here. You are the capital S. You are the Son. There's no others. You're the only begotten Son. That whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord. I love when Pastor Mark says that invitation. Aren't you glad you're whosoever this morning? Aren't you glad? You say, David, I'm a nobody. Oh, no, no. God can take a nobody. He can make them somebody. Why? Because he can save anybody. And if you believe and you've and you confess God, he will save you. But you've got to believe and you have to confess. But this morning, Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son, the only Son of the living God. Aren't you glad that we have a living God? We serve a living Savior. I promise you, go to Muhammad's grave, he's there. Go to Buddha, dig it up, you're going to see his bones. Go to Jesus' grave, he's not there. He rose. We serve a living God, a living Savior that really does change lives. He really does. Somebody better shout amen. I'm going to get out there and start shouting myself. All right, come on now. Let's go, people. Preach it, brother. Thank you. Verse 18. Verse eight, excuse me, verse 17. Jesus' response after Peter's big declaration. You're the Messiah. You're the Son. You're the, you're the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you and not man. Verse 18. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means Rock. Let me just stop right here. This is one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in the complete word of God. One of the most misinterpreted scriptures in the entire Bible. He says, now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. That word rock right there is Petros in the Greek. I didn't mean to say Greek. I didn't mean to do that. It's Petros in the Greek. Which means little pebble. It means little stone. It means little rock. So Jesus is saying, hey Peter, you're a little pebble. You're just a little rock. You're just a little stone. That's what the word Peter means. You, it, it means rock. It means little pebble, little stone in the Greek. And then he goes on. He says, and upon this rock, I will build my what? Church. Upon this rock, that next word for rock is Petra. Not Petros, but Petra. It's a completely different Greek word. Completely different word. It means huge rock. It means mass rock. It means a big, big rock. So Jesus is telling Peter, hey, you're just a small part of my big plan. You're just a small pebble of this huge rock. You're just a small stone on this mass stone. That's what he's telling Peter. You're just a small part, Peter, of this huge declaration that I'm going to build my church on. And he goes on to say, upon this rock, I will build 
my church. It all goes back. So what is this big rock, this huge stone that Jesus is building his church on? What is it? Is it Peter? It can't be Peter because he just said, you're a little pebble, Peter. Little pebble people. That sounds like that could be a, a whatchamacallit, little pebble Peter. Peck to pickle, peckle for peppers, you know. Sounds like that's what it could be. We'll make something up later. All right. But he says, Peter, you're just a small stone. You're just a little rock. You're just a little bitty pebble. You're just a little boy. So it can't be that Jesus is going to build his whole church on just one little man. There's no way. He would fail. That's why a church can't be built off of a man alone because it's going to fail. Me and Pastor Mark, we will let you down. Hang around long enough. We will do it. We're man. We're mankind. We're, we're just flesh and bones. We will let you down. I promise. So you can't build something on somebody else. You can't build a ministry on somebody else. This is founded on Jesus Christ. And he's saying this declaration, that's what it all goes back to, is Peter's cornerstone of a confession, his huge declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Christ. Notice the definite article, the Christ. In other words, there's no one else coming. It's just you. You're the Messiah. The prophecies of old, now they've been fulfilled. There was always going to be a Messiah that's going to come. And Peter's saying, I think you're him. I don't think you're him. I know you're him. You're the Christ, the one that everyone's been talking about for hundreds of years. You're the Christ, and you're the Son. There's no one else to just spit on you. I'm sorry. That's holy water. Showers of blessings, we please. So, I mean, guys, we have got to get our head around this. You are the Christ, the Son, the only Son. There's no one else of the living God on this huge confession on this massive confession, this declaration that Jesus is who he says he is. On that I will build my church, Jesus says. You're just a small part, Peter. You're just a small stone of this huge rock. But guess what? He needs him. He needs you. He needs you this morning. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it's not too late. You can confess, you can believe in your heart, you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Capital L, by the way, Lord, meaning boss, meaning CEO, meaning president, the manager, the big dog over your whole life. You submit to him. You submit to him. You follow his word, not some man's word, not some philosophy book. You follow his word, God's word. That's what it means to be Lord over your life. You submit to him. You're surrendering completely to him. That's what it means. So number two, who is the church? This is the first time. This is the first time the word church is used. Read all the Gospels. You will only find it in the Gospel of Matthew, the word church. This is the first time it ever comes out of Jesus' mouth. He says, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're this. Some say you're that. Who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Well, blessed are you because some man didn't tell you that. God revealed that to you, Peter. And you're, Peter, you're a rock, but I'm building a bigger rock. And on that, I'm going to build my church. The word church there is not a building. Jesus wasn't talking about, right here, I'm going to build my mega church. Uh-uh. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about building a building right there where Peter was standing in Caesarea Philippi. He's not talking about that. Well, right here, I'm going to establish my church location. We're going to be called Cornerstone Baptist right here. No, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about that. I just made that church up, by the way. If there's a church called that, I'm just joking. Yeah, whatever. But he says, on this declaration, I'm going to build my church. That word church, you know what it is in the Greek? Ecclesia. Someone say ecclesia. Oh, you speak Greek? Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Ecclesia. Here's the interesting thing. Did you know ecclesia is not even a religious word? Look it up. Blueletterbible.com, crosswalk.org, exhaustive concordance. I have one in my office. Come check it out. You can look up these words. New Testament Greek, Old Testament was Hebrew. You can look it up, literally see what the words were. 
this word church was not even a religious term. It was a civic term. It was a military term. The word ecclesia literally means, for the civic organizations, literally means a specific gathering or assembly of people called out of their homes for a specific purpose. It's not an establishment. Jesus did not say, right here, I'm going to build my church, my building, my location. We're going to put a steeple on top. We're going to have a cross. We're going to have some killer pews. He's not talking about that. He says, on this declaration, right here, I'm going to build my gathering assembly of people, my assembly of people, my gathering of people that have been called out for a specific purpose, for a specific task. That's what ecclesia is. They used it in civic organizations. People that were called out of their homes, they would gather together and discuss things of the community. That would be called an ecclesia when people would leave their homes and they would gather together and they would discuss a specific thing. That was called an ecclesia. In military terms, it was also used for specific groups of soldiers. Ecclesia was, was groups of soldiers that would come together and they would assemble together. They would have a gathering together and then they'd go out on a mission. That was called an ecclesia. That's an ecclesia. They're going out completing that mission. It's not a location. It's not a building. It's people. It's a group of people. Turn to the person beside you and say, you are ecclesia. Say, you are the church. Say, you got to get out of here, dude. Don't, don't leave. We're almost done. Hold on. Some of y'all leaving. It was also a military term. So realize that Jesus is saying, he's not saying on this rock I'm going to build my building. Not at all. He's saying on this declaration, all those little rocks, all those little pebbles that make the confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. He is my Lord. He is my Master. All those little rocks, all those little pebbles, people that make that declaration, Jesus is going to build his church on, his group of people. Jesus is raising up an army. He's raising up an army of soldiers ready to break every chain, ready to go spread the gospel, ready to go and be missionaries into your city. There's a burden for, there's got to be a burden for Thomaston, guys. There's got to be a burden for Upson County and Lamar County and Taylor County and Talbot County and Meriwether County and Monroe County and Crawford County, all of our counties surrounding, guys. We've got to have a burden to tell them about Jesus. If we don't tell them, who will? If you don't go reach your friends and your coworkers, who's going to do it? It's our job, guys, as a Christian. What if it all fell on me and Pastor Mark? What if it all fell on us? Well, that's your job, preacher. You're the pastor. you got to go win the whole world to Christ. By the way, Jesus never said, go win. Thank you, Lee. He never said, go win. Jesus just said, go. So take that pressure off of you when you're trying to evangelize. You're trying to witness to somebody. You're trying to share your faith. You're trying to invite someone to church. You're trying to share your testimony, and they reject you. Man, I don't want to hear that junk. Man, I don't want to come to your stupid church. I don't want to come. And people reject you, and you think, man, man, I lost that one. Golly, I lost that one. Man, maybe next time. And you go up and you share your faith with somebody. I do this every Monday, guys. Doors get slammed in my face. People call me stupid. People curse at you. So what? Suck it up. Jesus said it was going to be hard. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. In fact, he promised us just the opposite. He says, and all men will hate you because of me, because you bear my name. He said, everybody's going to hate you. The world didn't even accept Jesus. What makes you think the world's going to accept you? We have to follow in his, that's what Christian means. It means little Christ. Go look it up. It means like Christ. So we're supposed to be like Christ we better doggone be expecting persecution. We should be expecting to be rejected. 
It's going to strengthen your faith. It's, a, it's, it's not an establishment. It's a movement. It was a civic term, a military term, ecclesia, a specific gathering, a specific assembly of people on a specific mission. On this rock, I will build my church. Last thing. Man, you guys can get ready. Some of y'all looking at your clock. Man, this ten till. We're going to make it to nurses. No. Don't get your hopes up. I still got one more point to go. <laughs> Number three, first question. Who is Jesus to you? That's the most important question. Who is Jesus to you? Second question. Who is the church? We are the church. Who is the church? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are the church. The church goes wherever you go. Guess what? When we say amen, people are like, whew, finally, church is over. I'm ready to go home, take a nap. No, church has just begun. When we go out those doors, it's not like, whew, finally, it's done. I'll see y'all next week. No, you are the church. You are the church at the bank. You are the church on the road as a truck driver. You are the church in the shop as a mechanic. You are the church. Wherever you go, that's where church is. You are the church. You have to evangelize. You have to share your faith. If you don't, no one else will. 100,000 people will die today. 100,000 people die every day. How many of those go to hell? I don't know. A good, a, a good guess would be a whole lot of them. It's up to you, guys. It's up to you, students, to get a burden for your county, Brooke, for Pike County. It's, it's your job for Pike County. It's your job, Lane, for Upson County. You got to go into your classroom. You got to share your faith. You got to invite people to Jesus. You got to talk about your faith. We've been silent long enough, guys. I'm sick and tired of silent Christianity. People come in and they leave. See you next week, God. Maybe I'll do a devotion on Tuesday. A little utmost for his highest. Two minutes. That's all I'll give you, God. I'll give you two minutes and I'll see you next week. How about we get in God's word and we marinate in it? We marinate in this book so it becomes a part of us. Number three, who will conquer it? Who's Jesus to you? Number two, who's the church? We're the church. Wherever we go, that's where church is. Church is all the time, 24-7, 365. You're Christ's representatives. We're his ambassadors. We are his representatives everywhere we go. Number three, last one. Who will conquer it? Verse 18, I love this. If you don't shout, I'm going to come out here and slap you. Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell. Notice he didn't just say some of the powers. He said all the Bring it all you got, Satan. All the powers of hell will not conquer the church, Jesus said. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about a movement of people. He's talking about a specific assembly and a gathering of people on a specific mission. It's called the Great Commission. To love God and to go reach people. To preach the gospel to every creature. Young and old, rich and poor. Doesn't matter. Who will conquer it? Somebody say nobody. Somebody say nobody. Nobody's going to conquer it. Think about that. You're on a winning team. You're on a winning team. Nobody can stop you. We're unstoppable. As Christians, Satan's going to try to slow you down. He's going to try to put an anchor around Northridge Church. We're going to kick it in high gear and snatch that joker out of the ground. Satan's going to do everything he can to put barricades and to try to block our path. We're going to kick it in four-wheel drive. We're going to bust through those barricades. Satan can't stop us, guys. We're unstoppable through Christ. He says all the powers of hell, not some of them, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
We can't be conquered. We can't be stopped. God has put a mission on us. Notice Jesus did not say, and I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will conquer it. But just in case they do, then we're going to plan B. Notice Jesus did not say, and all women, I'm on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and all the powers of hell are not going to overcome it. But just in case they do overcome it, then we're going to option two. There is no option two. There is no plan B. There is no backup plan. You are it. I am it. We are it. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're plan A. And now tell them there is no plan B. There's no second option. There's no backup plan. Jesus said, in all the powers of hell, nothing's going to stop us. We're going to go and reach the world. We're going to reach Thomaston for Jesus Christ. We're going to reach Upson County and Lamar County and Crawford County and Talbot County and Taylor County and Meriwether County and Monroe County. We're going to go reach the gospel. We're going to go preach this word until our last breath. There's no backup plan for me. Retirement plan? Ain't got it. Backup plan? Ain't got it. Did you get a degree in something else, David, in case preaching doesn't work out? No, I don't care. I ain't got no backup plan. There is no plan B. Well, what if you don't preach forever? I'm going to preach forever. You can suck it up and come or you can go. I'm going to preach if there's only one person there. Bill DeLoach will stay and listen to me. There's no backup. There's no backup. Jesus said, go. Go preach the gospel to all creation. That's the Great Commission, guys. We must go. The church, you and I, you and I, the church, we're the assembly of people. We're the gathering of people on a movement. Not an establishment, we're a movement. America's got it all wrong. We've turned church to assembly, assembly hall. We're supposed to be an assembly of people that's on the move. Church doesn't end here. This is where we just come together and celebrate what God's done all week. No backup plan. The church must leave the building. When we get out of those doors, the church has begun. What about you this morning? So, David, I want to be a part of this. I want to be part of this army. I want to be part of this assembly of people, this gathering of people. Well, guess what? God ain't going to save you to just sit in some seat. He's going to save you to move your feet. If you come in here, say, I want some of this Jesus, but you're just going to sit down. Sorry, you picked the wrong team. Sorry, but we're not just going to sit around. We're going to go into the world. We're going to go across counties. We're going to go across countries. You don't measure a church by seating capacity. You measure a church by sending capacity. It's about how many people we can get out of here. It's not about how many people come in. It's about how many people go out. That's what it's all about, guys. You ought to be fired up, ready to go share your faith, ready to go, what Pastor Mark says, attack hell with a water pistol. I'm ready to attack hell with a super soaker 3000. That's what I'm ready to do. Give me a stinking fire truck. The church must leave the building. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're about to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, we're going to sing that song. I want you to bless the Lord if you know the Lord. Do you know Jesus this morning? Are you a part of this, what we call church? Uh, Not a building. We don't want you to join a building. What good is that? We want you to join a movement. We want you to join a movement of people that's going to go out and we're going to preach the gospel. You want to be part of that army? Do you know Jesus? Back to the first question. Who is Jesus to you? Huh? Who is Jesus to you? If he's not the king, if he's not the Lord, I'm sorry, but you're missing out on heaven. You need Jesus this morning. You can't save yourself. 
You say, David, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't, but God does, and he loves you anyway. And he loves you too much to keep you there. You don't need Jesus because you just might die tonight. God forbid if something happens on the way home and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, you will bust hell wide open, but you don't pray and receive Christ as an insurance plan, as a fire insurance plan, as a backup, as a safety net. No, 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 no. You don't need Jesus because you may die tonight. You need Jesus because you just might wake up in the morning. You just might live tomorrow. That's why you need Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you know Christ this morning? The Bible says we were objects of God's wrath. We were sinners when we were conceived. We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We deserve hell. That's what David McGuire deserved years ago, was to go to hell because of his sin. But praise be to God, I had Christian parents who raised me in a Christian home. And my daddy shared the gospel with me at Yaseville Baptist Church and said, Hey, David, here's the Romans road. You were once dead in your sin and the wages of sin. The payment for what you get for your sin is death. It's destruction, David. That's what he told me. Have you told your son that? If you don't accept Christ, your punishment is hell. That's the payment for all of your sin. You said, David, that's bad news. You're right, but here comes the good news. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God, somebody say, but God. But God. The whole first books of Romans says you are dead in your sin, says you are trespassing in your sin, says you are an object of God's wrath. Romans 3, 10 said there's nobody good. There's nobody righteous. That's terrible news, David. Well, doggone it, it's the truth. And then here comes Romans 5. It says, but God. He changes, he shifts gears, he changes things. He says, but God demonstrated his love in this way that while you were still sinning, God died for you. Hear me this morning. God died for you. He loves you. Would you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Would you surrender? Would you just tap out? It's going to be hard. I promise you, following Jesus, it ain't going to be easy. I'm going to tell you the truth right now. Following Jesus is the hardest thing you will ever do. Following Jesus is the most difficult thing you will ever do, but it's the best thing anybody could ever do. Would you pray from your heart to God in faith? It's not about repeating some words. It's not about repeating with lip service what some preacher said. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Lord, I'm a sinner. God, I confess my sin. God, forgive me. I know I've messed up. But God, right now, I accept the free gift of salvation. Save me. Come into my life. I know it's going to be hard. I know following you is going to be difficult, Jesus, but give me the strength. I'm going to commit all my days to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, every head bowed, that coming, every eye open, every head up. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, stand to your feet right here and right now. Would you stand to your feet? Would there be anybody? Amen, brother. I'll see you down there, man. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But you can do it with the power of God. You can't do it on your own. You'll fall flat on your face. You need Jesus. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you, buddy. I promise you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may say, David, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But I have not witnessed. I have not shared my faith. I have not talked to a stranger about Jesus in a long time. But right now, I'm going to make a commitment. Every week, I'm going to witness to somebody. Stand to your feet. Every week, I'm going to make a commitment. Praise God, ma'am. You too. Making that commitment. I'm going to share my faith with somebody every week. 
going to sing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. If you stood up and you accepted Christ, come on down here. We want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate with you. The altar's open. Our church doors are wide open. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com.